some of you may know that I'm not a natural athlete. Um, yeah, I'm not playing on the three-on-three -three basketball tournament. I believe I'm a competitive person, but I'm so competitive that if I know that I'm not going to do first place, I don't want to do it. I think that's why I don't do sports. <laughs> well, that's my excuse. Um, but but past couple years, uh, I've been doing some sport at sporty stuff, um, like um, like a, something called Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, like uh, martial arts, you know, and like Olympic weight training, different things. I still cannot do that well, but I've been I've been seeing really good people train, right? I met a uh, Olympic uh, gold medalist, uh, Kayla Harrison. Uh, at a seminar before, she's like a Olympic uh, two-time, is it three? Two-time uh, gold medalist um, for judo. Uh, I uh, spar with UFC, UFC fighter before um, and stuff like that. And I also see like national, like uh, uh, competing uh, weightlifters um, uh, at the gym. But I realized one thing. The difference between like really like successful athlete, like competitive athlete versus like amateur, just you know, regular gym rat, right, or just workout guys, is this. The champions or the really, like, successful athletes, comp competitive athletes, how they're determined is, is crazy. They're so determined. Um, they, once they have a goal, they go at it with such a strong determination and uh, discipline. It doesn't matter they get injured, it doesn't matter they're sick, it doesn't matter they feel uh, down, they have ups and downs, they're so determined. And of course, that's not always natural. They do so much work. Sometimes, I mean, many of them are not Christians, so they will like meditate every morning saying, okay, I'm going to imagine getting the gold medal. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to imagine that day in the future that's going to come. So like they're like imagining, they're doing their own things um, to make that happen. But man, they, the way they're committed and determined is enormous. But probably in the ordinary life of an athlete, whether you're successfully um, competing or just doing for fun, like me, um, probably one of the ordinary, um, like common hindrance will be this: being comfortable. Um, if you ever worked out or if you ever did sports, you know, we try to be comfortable. That that's, that's the biggest hindrance for us, um, hindering us from growing. Um, for guys who lift, reaching your next PR. Um, if you're staying where you're comfortable at, you're never going to go beyond where you are right now, right? Um, if you're doing some kind of speed work, you're never going to beat that speed and all different, different things. But just like that in our uh, Christian life too, um, just like Pastor uh, Danny spoke last night about growth, uh, Book of Ephesians really talk about growth a lot. Uh, not just as individuals, as believers, but in the context of church. So growing individually as well as together, which is never uh, separated. Um, and we're going to be talking about more when that really comes to play in our daily lives, in our actual ordinary life, how there will be a battle um, and whatnot. So I'm going to just lay out the three points I'm going to go over from the uh, passage today. Seems like there's three um, main like uh, imperatives that we should catch on uh, from today's passage. And I'm going to uh, kind of focusing on uh, each uh, imperative per the point. Point number one will be this. Be strong in the Lord, for there is a real battle. Be strong in the Lord, for there is a real battle. 
And second point will be, I'll be saying later again, but stand firm in the battle by putting on the full armor of God. Stand firm in the battle by putting on the full armor of God. And the lastly is this, point number three, pray for your needs to win your ordinary life for God. Pray for your needs to win your ordinary life for God. So first point, be strong in the Lord, for there is a real battle. Um, if, you are, if you have your Bible open, please go back to verses 10 to 12 with me. Um, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So it is calling us to be strong, right? To be strong in the Lord. But how do we become strong? Right? That's the question here. We all know that we want to be strong and we need to be. How? Actually, the word uh, be strong in Greek word is actually a passive verb. Um, so it's not us becoming strong, but it's more like us being made strong or us being strengthened. So we're more like receiving something like empowerment, right, by God uh, to be strong, right? So when, uh, when Apostle Paul said not just be strong, but be strong in the Lord, he's saying the full sentence right there. Uh, we are receiving that strength uh, from God. And this word, be strong or be strengthened, can be also found in different parts of the Bible. Uh, do you guys remember the most famous uh, Bible verse? Start from, uh, it started like this, be strong and courageous from Joshua, right? How Joshua was uh, told to be strong is the same kind of being strong, receive that strength. And another one is David, for example, 1 Samuel 30, um, chapter 30, verse 6, it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord when his family and his nation was in trouble, right? Uh, he strengthened himself in the Lord. It almost sounds like he did it himself, but just like uh, Pastor Danny mentioned last night, in the Lord or in Christ, just th that the phrase to follow, uh, follow with it means so much. He didn't just strengthen himself, but he got strengthened because he was in God and he went before God. But as we try to be uh, strong, like uh, today's passage is saying, we must be able to really recognize and realize there is a constant spiritual battle uh, in our everyday lives. Um, it's not just a bad day we are having if you're having a spiritual battle. It's not just how difficult the life is or this fallen world is. It is literally uh, Satan, the devil, the evil forces behind all those things. If it is not from God, right? For us to experience um, such a distraction from God, right, or evil thoughts and evil things in our lives, then where does it come from? It comes from the devil, right? We don't talk about it like this a lot, um, but in actuality, it is from him, and he is behind all these things. Um, and what is their purpose? What is Satan's purpose of always giving us um, spiritual temptations, Right? Also, like hindrances, distractions, and just difficult time, bring up past guilt. What will be his purpose? His purpose is to distract you uh, away from the abundant life in Christ, abundant grace and joy, and just growing uh, in Christ. 
And He rather wants you to be led towards destruction of sin. Yes, if you're truly in Christ, you'll be never be in the destruction of sin. But we can be really broken though. And we can miss out on so much God has in store for us in His grace. Pastor James in the first day talked about spiritual blessing. There is such a thing as spiritual blessing that doesn't fade away. That's not always visible right away. But there's also spiritual warfare in everyday life where Satan, devil, is trying to rob us from that spiritual blessing. So when these things are happen, we cannot just say it's our ordinary, regular thing and just be okay with it. But Bible is calling us to be actively fight against it and defend and be strong. Because without it, we cannot withstand and we're going to fall for it. So for Ephesians, uh, for the people who received this letter, how would these battles or spiritual warfare look like in their ordinary lives? We know, first of all, during their uh, early time, we know that there was early Christian, Christianity, there was a lot of persecution, right? Much different than how it is today in America. So for them, daily battle of being persecuted in the public, or from or disowned by family, all different things are common thing. But let me just briefly share with you how ordinary, uh, but yet still difficult, uh, things that was mentioned in the book of Ephesians. Uh, Ephesians, starting from chapter 2, it says, uh, Chapter 2, verse 11, remember that you were at the same time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, uh, strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So that's, there was a passage where uh, Paul was saying about unity, saying the Jew, Jewish Christians shouldn't look down on the Gentiles because they were also lost before and separated from God, but they forget about the grace of God and they start judging others. Have you guys ever went through that before? Like you see someone who may seem more sinful or look more sinful and you kind of look down on them. For me, when I was in high school, um, there were always um, about several students in the very back corner who goes in and out during service a lot as a group. And where they go during service time is dumpster. Because they're going to go to the dumpster and smoke a cigarette and come back to service. And when they come into chapel, slowly from the back of the chapel, you can, hear, you can smell the cigarette just, just coming into it. In my mind, as a very righteous uh, drummer and a very faithful, never Sunday missing Christian, um, I was like, if they're going to walk in and out and just smoke like that, why do they come to church? They should just not come. So I was falling into that, um, lost to that battle uh, at the thought saying, I'm so much better than them, right? I'm no better than them because they need the grace of God as sinners. I need the grace of God as sinners. But I acted in my mind, even though I didn't say it aloud, I consider myself more righteous. As if I owned and I earned that righteousness. But truth of the fact is, I didn't receive anything, right? It was only by God's grace. So just like that, have you ever really looked down at someone? That's a really ordinary battle we're going on right now, right? Temptation. And what are some other things? In Ephesians chapter 4, it was talking about like gossiping, uh, spreading rumors, falsehood, speaking anger and bitterness, and not being able to even forgive one another as Jesus did to us. Those are some ordinary life battles we have. 
more Ephesians chapter 5, distrust between uh, husband and wives, where husbands do not love the wives well, and the wives uh, do not submit to the husband. Children not obeying the parents. Anyone ever done that before? This past uh, 2018, not obeying and honoring parents? Fathers provoking their children in anger, right? Not just disciplining them well, but really um, uh, abusing their authority on children. Bond servants obeying masters, not obeying masters with a sincere heart. So none of you, I think, are bond servants here or slaves. Um, but you may still be uh, like an employee, right? So today's context will be like more employers and employees, right? So some of you working, have you ever served your boss or your uh, business owner or whatnot with instance in your heart, right? That's a daily battle because um, Ephesians 5 is calling these bond servants or employees, right, um, to serve as servants of Christ, not just a people pleaser, not just to receive that paycheck later in two weeks or a month, right? So these are the very ordinary battles the book of Ephesians is talking about that we should not overlook. Because even in every these uh, ordinary lives um, battle, right, spiritual warfare, Satan's always involved, try to take away us, our lives, our intention, our lives from glorifying God by enjoying Him, by making Him known to ourselves and to others, right, to really expanding His kingdom. He's taking away all the opportunity. As you meet new people in the church, as you work at your workplace, as you sit with your classmates in your classrooms, in your dorm mates, when you ride bus to go to school, walk around, meet strangers, you have this tenet, uh, thought about maybe I should talk to that person or maybe I should reach out to that person or maybe share the gospel. You're like, oh, not today, I'm busy. Even all those things, those are spiritual battles, right? Then if you think about that kind of way, can you think how many spiritual battles you can have in a day? Hundreds, thousands, right? So that's why the Bible is saying, be strong. Don't overlook these kind of uh, spiritual warfares. Even though they may be ordinary, they may be small, seem small because you're so used to it, but it means everything to make gospel real in our lives, to us, as well as people around us. And that's going to really determine what kind of church we are going to be. So as I mentioned earlier before, like the athletes, probably today in our lives, we don't have persecution, but probably our biggest um, kind of difficulty in um, being Christian in America is probably comfort, right? I don't think you guys are um, uh, persecuted like uh, early Christians did, but I think we are rather hindered by the opposite thing, which is being too comfortable, being too um, kind of freed to be Christians. Um, the Gospel Coalition has an article called Eight Signs Your Christianity is Too Comfortable. So if you have some of these categories, then you might be too comfortable in your Christian life. I'm not going to list eight, but just uh, several of them. Number one, you think you never think about or even remember the Sunday sermon on Monday. Second, your friends and coworkers are surprised to learn that you are a church-going Christian. Three, no one at your church ever annoys you. 
And this is not talking about that you hate someone because they're you have pet peeve or anything. It's talking about like you know accountability and having differences. Next is you you have never had uh, to have truth and love conversation with a fellow Christian. Next, you never feel challenged, only affirmed or encouraged. Lastly, no one in your church could comment on any area of growth they've seen in you, in your personal life. No one can speak truth into your life, whether they see it or not. So if that doesn't apply to you, then our Christianity might be too comfortable. And probably we are losing to those battles because we have no accountability and really um, that eager drive right now. Uh, this is one commentator uh, quoted like this about our spiritual warfare. Evil rarely looks evil until it accomplishes its goal. It gains entrance by appearing attractive, desirable, and perfectly leg uh, leg legitimate. Uh, it is baited and a camouflage trap. Scary things about this evil that uh, Satan really uh, uses against us is that these temptations or spiritual warfare doesn't look that bad until Satan really accomplishes his goal of getting us out of doing God's mission, getting us out of spending time with Him or thinking about Him. So as we end this, uh, this uh, first part, uh, why so serious about these? Let me read our um, uh, chapter 4, uh, verse 15 to 16, where it's all the theme verse of this retreat. It says, Rather speaking, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly, uh, makes the body grow so that it builds itself in love. So, brothers and sisters, why so serious about our spiritual battle? Because it is about our sanctification. If you're a Christian, you're justified, but until we see Jesus again, we have to be more like Jesus. That's what sanctification means, right? And that means that's everything. That's the reason why Christ died, died for us, so that we can be more like Christ and glorify Him. But they'll be hindered tremendously. And secondly, if you don't do that, how are you going to build up God's church? If we need to grow, we have to know that also our church needs to be cultivated and grow because our church is a collection of people like you and me, right? Our growth matters so much in God's kingdom and in our lives. And if church is not growing and built up, then how can the world hear the gospel and see the gospel working? And how can the gospel be preserved? So brothers and sisters, we don't want to be settled in our growth. And we always want to strive to just have this endless desire to grow more and more. If you ever want to know that what is the bare minimum of Christian life, of being a Christian, what is the fine line of non-Christian and a Christian, Bible really doesn't talk about bare minimum because in Christian life, there is no bare minimum. If you strive for bare minimum, you might have to consider your faith, whether you're Christian or not. Because what Christians want is not just to barely make it to the kingdom of God, but have all of Jesus. Jesus, I need you, I want you, every single bit, more and more. Because it is better than anything else. So the question now is, if we understand the need of our spiritual battle to, stand, uh, to uh, be strong, how can we continue? Point number two, stand firm in the battle by putting on the full armor of God. 
Stand firm in the battle by putting uh, the full armor of God. Uh, if you read verse 13 to uh, 17, it lists out um, the seven things uh, about pieces about the full armor of God. Can I have the uh, photo, please? This might help you guys visualize. I was about to put, like, you know, one of those game, like, uh, not maple story, but, like, like game, like, like things, you know, like they have an item. But I, but I couldn't do that, sorry. So, as you can see, that's a regular um, um, Roman soldier, right? The time of Paul. So, I'm going to uh, uh, categorize in three things. The first category of the uh, pieces of the armor is one, readiness. Readiness, right? Um, and there would be two items there. There's belt of truth and shoes of gospel of peace. Interesting thing is belt and shoes is something you always wear whether you're going to war or not if you're a soldier, right? What this belt does, for us, belt holds our pants from falling down, right? Um, but for them, what belt did, <laughs> okay, for them, what belt did was it actually holds their upper clothes, not, the, you know, not their pants. Uh, they wear like breastplate or they call it tunic. It's like t-shirt in Roman times, um, uh, tunic, so you will hold them tight so that when they run, you know, when you wear something big and when you run, it kind of moves like this, you know, uh, the belt will hold so that you can run like this, right? The belt will hold so that when you go to war or battle, you fasten your belt tight. And then it's kind of like when you go to Korean barbecue, when you want to eat a lot of buffet, like when you're like relaxing, when you're not working, you kind of loosen your belt. So the Roman social will kind of slack their belt when they're not working or in battle. But they're on battle, when they're ready to fight, they'll fasten their belt and ready to go, right? That's why belt is so important here, and belt of truth. It's not truth necessarily the word of God, but truth as in like truthfulness, saying truth, right? How uh, speaking truth and just um, being truthful in our lives uh, can really uh, always prepare us to be the better witness and do ministry of God. And the second one is shoes. And Roman shoes, it kind of looks like a uh, sandal. I see sometimes our sisters in EM wear those. Uh, <laughs> um, and on the bottom of shoes, it's kind of like cleats. They kind of have nails, so it has great traction. Uh, I didn't know, but Romans and Greeks have been known to be having really good shoes. Any uh, uh, sneakerheads uh, look into Roman and Greek shoes? Uh, because their, uh, their army, their military shoes, or enable them to really move in a fast pace for such a long campaigns, right? Um, so those shoes make them go further. And when we talk about shoes in our um, spiritual life, we are talking about going different places. For example, Romans 10, 15, it says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. So these shoes, best shoes at the time, are used to go far places, not always by location, but into someone's life, in the areas that we perhaps may don't go, to share and witness, to bring the good news to them. Because I pre I'm pretty sure that all of you here, if you're a Christian, you probably got saved because someone's preached the gospel to you, right? And you are to also do that through these shoes by wearing them. And second category is protection. Protection. There will be three pieces here. There will be breastplate of righteousness, as you can see on the chest. Um, and there's helmet of salvation. 
And thirdly, there's shield of faith. Breastplate, uh, um, breastplate uh, of righteousness. Righteousness uh, meaning like integrity, right? Of character. Uh, Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1, just a, a chapter before it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Kind of showing God's righteousness to others in our lives, right? Helmet of salvation. Obviously, um, if you ever play uh, the first-person shooting game, if you ever play like Sergeant Attack or Counter-Strike or PUBG, yeah, Jay, yeah, Chicken Dinner, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, what is the best place to shoot in the game? Uh, best, uh, best uh, where should we shoot? Headshot, right? Uh, headshot, right? So we know that even in the battles, head is always um, kind of aimed first because if you hit the head, they go, right? Um, so head is protected. Most important thing about head is protected uh, by really remembering the salvation. From the very first day through Pastor James from chapter 1, we've been talking about how we are chosen, not because we did something or we are worthy, but by just pure grace of God, we are chosen. We are chosen not because of our uh, works. Therefore, we are not going to lose by our works. That's how awesome it is to be chosen by God. And remembering those salvation and having those salvation will protect our life. And thirdly, shield of faith. Uh, if you read in the passage, it says, shield of faith for all circumstances, whether the enemy is shooting the flaming uh, darts, arrows at you, right? As you can see, the shields are pretty big, and they're pretty strong, and they can withstand a lot of arrows. So when enemy, devil, shoots arrow and attacks in our lives, that shield of faith can really protect. What does faith do out of circumstance? Faith helps us to go above and beyond our circumstance. Why? When bad things happen in our lives, faith allows us to see the inheritance, the promise that we have that is coming for sure. Not hoping that it will happen someday, maybe, but being sure that God has promised and it will happen despite of what I feel right now or what I see right now. And third, last category, weapon. Only one item in the weapon, being offensive. It is a sword of spirit or sword of the word of God. In Isaiah 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 4, it says, And he shall strike the earth with rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. And also we know that Matthew 4, uh, when Jesus was tempted on the desert, um, how did he respond to attack back, fought back to the devil? He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So he responded, uh, Satan, with quoting the scripture each time. And Satan couldn't do anything. And later he left, right? Just like Jesus, us two have this sword. Only offensive weapon there is to really, uh, really um, attack Satan and really win over our ordinary lives, spiritual battle with the word of God. Because he can never go beyond or uh, say anything against the word of God. An interesting thing is things like helmet, salvation, shield, breastplate, and belt. You know that the common thing is those are also mentioned in Isaiah. And you know what Isaiah described? Isaiah described the Messiah. So what I'm trying to say is these full armor described here are not just um, armors for us to wear. It is actually the armor of the Messiah, God, right? So it's a God's his own armor that he's giving to us to wear, to be indefeatable, right? Um, Ephesians 4 is, uh, uh, says, put, up, put off our old self and put on Christ. 
So it's like clothes that we should put on every day. So one application for you is very simple. Just like I gave out the book earlier, right? For us to continue in this, we need to wear this every day. Meaning that our armor that we just talked about, we should be able to refresh and really cultivate it every day intentionally. You have to plan out in your morning to your quiet time to really sharpen your sword, right? Put on your breastplate to think about how you can do the will of God and shoes, how can you go to different places or reach out to people, to the work of God and all different things. I really want to uh, really encourage you to really pray and think about how you can kind of better um, kind of your uh, schedule and your um, day uh, in this uh, year 2019. Last point as I uh, wrap up. Point number three, pray for your needs to win your ordinary life for God. Verse 18 to 20, it says, Praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication to that, uh, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So we can see now we are called to pray. Pray at all times, constantly. And not for just ourselves. Interesting thing here, described here and even throughout the New Testament, is that Paul, we know that Paul is in what kind of situation right now, writing this? Anybody know? He's in chains. He's in the prison, right? And him being in the prison and him going through a hard time is actually a very shameful thing. Actually, if you go to 2 Corinthians, um, he's so ashamed and, um, by others, even though he's okay. What happens is the people in Corinth, reject teachings from Paul. Because they realize, hey, if Paul's truly the man of God, why is he going through so much suffering and imprisonment? There must be something wrong with him. Hey, let's not listen to him. And that's where Paul just poured out his uh, heart and just out of agony. Guys, that's not how it is. And that's how he sent out that uh, Second Corinthians letter, right? Out of tears, out of such agony in his heart. So he, that kind of shame he's having but he's saying his prayer is not that he'll be get out of those kind of prison or situation. His prayer is this. Uh, go to verse 19 with me. And also for me that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I to speak. Nowhere that he's saying, God help me get out of these hard times. God, just get me out of the prison. Why should I do this? He knows that there is cost for following Christ. So that's not a question for him. But um, his greatest um, interest here is how can I be faithful to the Lord whatever situation I'm in? Um, and my encouragement to you guys as you read this is this. As I'm looking into your life, um, even before like coming, uh, speaking here, I was praying for you guys and I can just think about, especially those I know, I know your situations, like so many of you here has prayer requests that has been not been fulfilled for a long time, or constant difficulties, or um, you've been out from your faith. But the thing is, here he says, "I am an ambassador in chains." We have a God who doesn't call you from high up there, where things are nice, and saying, "Hey, hurry up and fix your situation, come to me." But we have a God who goes under. To the even if it is rock bottom, go under with you, and from there walk you up, climb up towards him to the very end. So that's why we should be able to see, like the uh, shield of faith, that we should be able to 
still see the hope of God and be used by God and have this kind of perseverance despite of our situation. So when we pray, what should we pray about according to this passage here? Pray that we will persevere. We will not give up despite of what happened in our life right now. It can be a bad day. It can be consistently a bad days and weeks or months or even years. But God is still good and amazing and there's so much thing to do for Him. And He is with us. And we are not ending there. Uh, Paul is also, we can see clearly here, he's actually counting on the prayers of other people. Later passage as he ends, he's asking people to pray for him. So he's counting enormously, please pray for me. He knows it is difficult to, to live in a, a prison and constantly go through these uh, tortures and persecution. So that means we also should pray for one another. When you see a person next to you, do you know their prayer requests? Do we know the prayer requests of our other members in our church in the EM? Do you know the prayer requests of your leaders, our EM staff? If we cannot support one another, who will? If we cannot take responsibility for each other's spiritual lives, in our families, in our career, in our emotional health and everything, who will? That's why church membership is so important. Because church membership means that we are in the covenant a promise to take responsibility over each other's, not just well-being, but spiritual lives as well. Lastly, I want to show you this um, a photo. Oh, bef- oh, yeah, we already showed it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, Roman soldier, in the context of ancient Roman time, is not special. Their specialty is not just by one individual soldier, but their specialty. You might have seen in like games or even movies. They're in the legions for me. It's hard, kind of hard to see, but they're in a very strict legions, right? Like groups, formations. And you maybe see some movies where they fight against barbarians, right? They like barbarians come like in an unorganized way with all these like paint, um, like William Wallace, right? Um, but you see Roman soldiers, they just stand firm even if they get killed. Very disciplined, right? They wait for the order. And they keep on proceeding. And their formation, discipline, and how they back each other up without running away is, is enormous. I actually studied Roman culture a little bit in high school. Um, and they actually have something called decimation system. Where if you betray them, or if you back off in those situations because it's scaring, you know what they do? Sometimes they do decimation system where they make you line up and they count 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 10. Every 10th person, they just kill to make sure that you, you don't do that again. So it brings enormous fear, right? So that's not what we are learning, but that's the, how their uh, army works. So the s- real strength of Roman, the Roman Empire army is how they're together. Just like the, in our Christian life too, our individual growth is so important because we get saved individually, but we get adopted into the body of Christ, the local church. And our true strength as Christians will be unleashed, activated, only when we come together as a church in the body, in Christ. So I really want to encourage you guys, when you go back to your ordinary lives, it might be very ordinary, not, nothing special. It might be the same. It might be more difficult. 
And even when you go to church, it might be the same old as before. But find the, the ex extraordinary purpose in those things. Without being able to glorify God in those things and win over our ordinary lives, we cannot glorify God as Christians. Let's pray. How do you feel about going back to your ordinary life? I'm pretty sure that most of you had a great time. I personally and our staff, volunteers, even us, even though we are serving, we just had a, such a good time here. But as we go back into our family, our home, where our parents, our family is there, go back to our workplace, go back to our school, go back to our friends, maybe go back to our difficult situations, to go back to our loneliness and beyond. How do you feel about that? Do you feel sure that you're going to be able to make change? I'm assuming that that is not always easy. So I want to give you time just to, we don't have to make false promises to God saying, God, I'll never do this and I'll always be with you. I'll always, you know, do QT every day. I'm not calling for that because that we cannot keep it if we fail. But let's cry out to God. God, we cannot even keep our promise to you even for a single day or weeks or months. So we want to acknowledge that. But we see the great need not to give up on our spiritual battle daily or daily life. So in the refreshing of the gospel in our lives, Holy Spirit, empower me to not be in fear, only be in fear of you, and win over those ordinary life, and find true meaning and joy and purpose in our boring, ordinary, mundane lives. Other people may say it's mundane, not significant, but I know that for you it's everything until Christ comes. So God, help me. Help us as a church as well. So please pray for that, and we'll go into worship.